After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Sunday mornings, we've been talking about being followers of Jesus along the way of Jesus. That we aren't called just to be Christians who just show up at church or, you know, do a few good things during the week, but that this is a transformation from the inside out that God wants to work in our lives. That as we are on the way of Jesus, we are being changed by Jesus from who we are into the men and the women that he has created us to be. And last week we talked about how God uses suffering to change us and to transform us. And this morning we're going to talk about the other side of that same coin, which is sacrifice. 
and how God uses sacrifice to transform us, to change us. And we talked last week in that suffering, we often suffer things that we don't ask for, right? Health problems, relational problems, financial problems, these things that if it were up to us, we would never go through. They're out of our control. They, they, they bring us back to the understanding that we're small, that we don't run our own lives, that there's a God and he is God and we are not him. And this morning as we talk about suffering we're, or sacrifice, we're also talking about suffering because when we suffer, we are letting go of something. We are letting go of something that is of value to us, that is of meaning to us. And when we suffer, we don't just suffer the loss of whatever thing or whatever relationship we lose, but we suffer through the experience of letting it go. That's sacrifice. Suffering through the experience of letting that thing or that person that means so much to us that we love, that we couldn't imagine being without when we let that go. And so as we talk this morning, I want you to hear this, that through sacrifice, we find out whether we're dealing with the living God or whether we are living a spiritual fantasy. Through sacrifice, God reveals to us if we're actually dealing with him or if he is an illusion that we've crafted on our own. We're going to dive into that a little bit more through the story of Abraham. And I just want to say up front, if you get nothing else from this this morning, Hear the story. Hear this story. Feel this moment in Abraham's life. Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, begins this chapter by saying, after these things, after these things. And if you, if you back up and you read the backstory to this, you will see that Abraham has a life, a life, time behind him of walking with God and proving to be a man of faith. Over and over and over again, we see God making promises to Abraham, God calling Abraham, God asking Abraham for something or to do something, and Abraham does it. Abraham obeys, though not perfectly, and there are many examples of that in Abraham's life. One is in chapter 21 right before this. If you know anything about Abraham, you realize that the thing that Abraham wanted the most was a son. Abraham wanted a son, and God had promised to give Abraham a son, but then Abraham waited years and years and years and years and years, and there was still no son. And so Abraham decides to help God out, and he sleeps with his wife's servant, and they have a son, 
and that son is named Ishmael. And Abraham loves his son. And Abraham's like, this is the son. This is my son. And God comes to him and says, no, that's not, he's not the son I promised. I promised you. He, and this is not the way that I promised I would give you a son. And as you can imagine, that created some conflict with Abraham and his wife, Sarah, right? I mean, shocker there that that, that that would create some marital conflict, you know, in their relationship together. And then finally, God gives Abraham the promised son through Sarah, his wife, a son named Isaac. Now, Ishmael and his mom, Hagar, are still in the picture. They're still living with the Abraham family. And Isaac and Ishmael begin to have a really fraught relationship. Ishmael, the older son, starts to kind of pick on and tease and make fun and make life hard for Isaac. And then Sarah, as Isaac's mom, becomes really protective. And it's like, this is the son that God promised. You need to get that woman and that kid out of here. And because Abraham loved Sarah, because he loved Isaac, he sent Hagar and Ishmael away. And God promised him through that, even though this is not the son that I promise you, I will take care of Ishmael. I will take care of Hagar. You can trust that I will do right by them. We get to the end of chapter 21, and we see that because Abraham loved Sarah, because Abraham loved Isaac, he was willing to send them away. And God comes to Abraham and says, you love Sarah, you love Isaac that much, but do you love me more? Do you love me more than you love your wife? Do you love me more than this son? And that is really the question for all of us, isn't it? Throughout our lives, we are constantly facing the question, do we love God or do we love what God can do for us? Do you love God or do you love the stuff that God has given you? Do you love God or do you love the people that God has put in your life? We are always in danger of trying to get God on our own terms. That we want a God that serves us. A God that we can understand and make sense to us. A God who responds to our life the way that we think he should respond to our lives. A God who only gets my trust when I'm getting what I want out of life. Even for Christians. For those of us who really, really love God who really, really want to follow Jesus. We are not above this temptation. We are all in need of a reality check because we can think 
that we're living in relationship with the true God, but in fact, we are following an illusion that has been shaped by our own sin, has been shaped by the culture and the world around us, or has been shaped by the devil's half-truths about who God is and about what we should expect from him. And we come to chapter 22, and Moses writes, God tested Abraham. We all need testing. Our faith needs testing. God had blessed Abraham with who he wanted the most, his son, Isaac. And now what does God do? God tested Abraham and said to him, take your son, your only son, who you love and offer him as a sacrifice. Kill your son. How did that sit with you? Does that sound like God? Does that sound like the God that you know? Does that sound like the God that we talk about? What God is asking Abraham here is outrageous. It's unthinkable to us. It's evil. It's offensive to us on every single level. That the God of the universe would ask a man to murder his son to prove how much he loved God. How does that feel? Are you okay with that? I mean, seriously, are you okay with that? What we need to understand here is what we talked about last week. It's a simple fact, and yet it is one of the most profound things that we have to wrestle with as human beings. God does not answer to us. He doesn't have to explain himself to you or to me. He doesn't have to give an answer for anything that he does to us or for us. God exists and he acts outside of our moral ideals, our laws, and our norms. God is God. Abraham was his. Isaac was his. You are his. God can do with us whatever he pleases. And he doesn't have to tell us why. I can't explain that to you. I can't tell you how to wrestle with that. But that is the truth. That if we believe that in this God that we say we believe in, then we need to understand that he is mysterious and that he, in so many ways, is outside of our ability to understand. We need to be tested. Our faith needs to be tested, and we cannot be trusted to test ourselves. We cannot be trusted to truly discern if we really, really love God 
or if we just love what God can do for us. God knows us. God sees everything about us. God was not ambiguous here with Abraham about what he wanted Abraham to do, was he? This was not symbolic. It was not metaphorical. God said, I want you to take your son, and he adds, who you love, and I want you to kill him. There's no doubt in that. There's no ambiguity in that. That leads us to the second thing I want us to see. That sacrifice is real. Sacrifice is personal. And sacrifice is painful. Look with me again, starting in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there, worship, and come back to you again. We'll come back to that. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they both went together. And Abraham and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire, the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. This is not a fable with some moral lesson for us. This is not a myth that was handed down over time. For us to learn from. There is excruciating detail here. Abraham got up early to prepare for this trip in which he was going to kill his son. He had to pack and get the animals ready. He had to communicate to these two young men who were helping him out what they were doing. He had to cut the wood that he would light on fire that would kill his son. They traveled for three days. Imagine that. Imagine having to wrestle with this for three days as you're traveling with this boy who you love, who you were going to have to kill. And when they get there, he gives the wood that his son will be burned on to his son to carry. And he takes the torch and he takes the knife and they climb this mountain. It's so easy for us to be glib about Christian sacrifice, isn't it? You know, we, we talk about it in a way that's just so detached from reality. It's like some super spiritual thing what it means to sacrifice. But the way of Jesus and a life of faith is not fantasy. 
God's testing of us doesn't happen in some spiritually controlled laboratory. This is real life. This is real life. God tests us and we sacrifice as real people. And it's always personal. It's people we love. A reputation and respect that we have earned. It's comfort and security and a lifestyle that we have worked so hard to achieve. It's our dreams and our ambitions that we have been pursuing for years and years and years. When God asks us to sacrifice, it's terrifying. It should be terrifying. Because God doesn't just bludgeon us with sacrifice and testing. God comes in as a surgeon. And he identifies the thing or the person that is challenging our love for him. The thing or the person that is in danger of getting in the way of really knowing him. And he comes and he says, are you willing to give that up for I want to go back to verse 5. Abraham looks at his two young men, and what does he say? We will go over here and worship. What? We will come back. We will come back. In Hebrews chapter 11, that kind of like hall of fame of faith, you know, the writer of Hebrews is talking about all of the men and women who are like these examples of faith. He, he mentions Abraham, and he says, Abraham believed God was going to raise his son from the dead. Abraham is wrestling with this. I'm sure anybody would be. But he, what is staggering here is that all along the way, Abraham's faith in God's nature, his faith in God's character never wavers. It never wavers. He does not doubt what seems outrageous to us that God would ask Abraham to sacrifice this doesn't seem that outrageous to Abraham, does it? I mean, we look at his responses, the way that he acts. He had his face set forward. He was going to do this thing, and yet he communicates here, I still believe that Isaac is going to come back with me, that we will both Return, And I think Abraham could do this because he had a lifetime of repeated testing. A lifetime of ask God asking him to sacrifice. And a lifetime of seeing God's salvation over and over and over again. When it was completely against the odds. God had come through for Abraham every time. Time. God had made good on, Ab- on his promises to Abraham, Abraham over and over and over again. God had always done right by Abraham. And that's really what faith is. It's trusting that God is good. Even when everything in our life tells us otherwise. Faith is trusting that God is really good, even when we are not experiencing him as good. 
want to zero in on one other phrase that Abraham says three times in this passage. God calls to Abraham at the beginning, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am. Isaac says, Father, and Abraham says, here I am. And then God calls to Abraham again. It says, Abraham, as he's about ready to slaughter his son, and Abraham said, here I am. Abraham was present to the test. James tells us that we are to remain steadfast under trial. Steadfast when God tests us. And it's another word for just be, have faith. Be obedient when God brings the test, when God brings the trial, when God asks you to sacrifice. Because we are so tempted when God brings the, the test into our life to say, no, it's too costly. No, it, it, it's too much. It's too painful. It's too complicated. God, you have gone too far in asking me to do that or to give up this. We are so tempted to cut corners, to find a way out, to run away when God comes to us and says, Abraham. But Abraham said, Father, here I am. I'm here. I'm not running away. I'm not trying to find a way out. I'm not trying to cut corners. I'm here. In the face of this temptation to run away from God's testing and God's require, requirement of sacrifice under the weight of this, here's why we can stay and have faith. It's because testing and sacrifice are God's invitation to us to know and to experience more of him. Look at verse 11. Abraham has the knife raised to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Who shows up in Abraham's testing? Who shows up as Abraham is ready to sacrifice? Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, when we read that phrase, the angel of the Lord, it is God himself who shows up. It is Jesus Christ, God in a body, who shows up. And if we're in doubt, we can look down in verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn. This is God himself. Jesus Christ showing up to say, Abraham, I've provided another way. Abraham, now I know you were willing to give up the thing that you love the most because you loved me. God never keeps his distance from us in testing. Even when it seems like God is far away, even when it seems like God is uninvolved, even when it seems like God does not care what we're going through and the pain that we're experiencing, he always comes to us and he always comes to us at the right time. 
in his time, in the perfect time. We've talked a lot over the last few months about what it means to know Jesus, what it means to become like Jesus, that knowing Jesus is not academic. It's not some theory class. It's not some, so a, a list of, of doctrinal points that we re- can recite about who Jesus is. That becoming like Jesus is not checking off boxes that think we think get us in good with God or stuff that we know we should be doing. That Abraham, James calls Abraham a friend of God. That was Abraham's moniker. That was what he was known as. He was known as a friend of God. How do you become a friend with someone else? By sharing in their experiences. You can't really know someone apart from their life and what they have experienced. I mean, think about that. Think of the people that you would call your best friend. This is my best friend. These are the people I am closest to. And I'm sure every one of those people, you know their life. You know what they've experienced. You know what they've been through. You know who they are. That's why in Philippians 3, Paul said, I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We will never truly know Jesus. We will never truly be transformed by Jesus apart from suffering and sacrifice. And the reason why, because he suffered. And because he became sacrifice. There's so much symbolism in this passage, isn't there? I mean, there's a son who is being sacrificed. There is wood being strapped to his back. There is a mountain that he is climbing to his death. And that symbolism that God's people when they read this, would have understood that Christians down through the centuries have seen that symbolism doesn't take away from the realness of this moment in Abraham's life. But how can we read this without seeing Jesus? How can we read this story without seeing the symbolism of Jesus? The Bible tells us that Jesus himself, that God himself was killed before the foundation of the world, which is just a phrase, before time began, that he experienced suffering, sacrifice, that he experienced the joy of salvation because of his suffering and because of his sacrifice before any of this reality existed. That, that, again, God is God and we are not. And these are things that we can't understand. And this is so mysterious and so glorious that the Bible tells us that angels long to look into this, that the angels of heaven want to understand because it is so glorious, because it is so mysterious that the God of everything would suffer and would die 
but they can't. They can't understand it. They can't experience it. But God in his grace says to you and to me, look at this. Come here and look at this. Know me. With each test and with every sacrifice, God invites us to leave some of ourselves behind so that we can know more of him. Jesus, when he said, if anyone would come after me and follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. What Jesus is asking us to do there is not some stoic like, well, this is just the cross I bear. And I'm just going to have to bear it. I'm going to have to grip my teeth. And I'm just going to have to go through it. Some stoic sentiment like that. It's not an invitation to live a life of less joy, of less satisfaction, of less fulfillment. If you want to follow Jesus, be prepared to suffer and to sacrifice, but be prepared to experience more joy, more fulfillment, more satisfaction, more of Jesus when you do. Because Jesus suffered because Jesus became a sacrifice for us and through our sacrifice for him we can really know him and be transformed by him some of you are here this morning and you say I want to follow Jesus I'm ready to follow Jesus I'm ready to give up everything to follow Jesus. Jesus' disciples said the same thing. They said, Lord, we want to drink that cup too. And Jesus said, are you sure? Are you sure? If you want to follow Jesus, be prepared to suffer. Be prepared to give up things that you're not ready to give up. Because God wants you to know him and wants you to experience life with him under his rule. And he, for our good, will not let anything get in the way of that. Some of you are here and you say, I have been through this. I've had what I love taken away. I've suffered through that. I'm still suffering through that. God is here, God is near, God sees that. On the cross, what did Jesus cry? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God doesn't expect us to just put on a smiley face and a happy face and just go through our suffering and our sacrifice like nothing's going on. Because sacrifice is real and it's painful and it's personal. God invites us to come to him and cry out. And so this morning, if you are under trial, if you are experiencing testing, if God is bringing something into your life to refine you, I'm not standing up here saying, hey, you should be happy. That's not what James means when he says count it all joy. We can count it all joy because we know that we not only experience God on the other side, but we can experience God as we go through it. We have brothers and sisters in here who will go through it together. You have a God that knows, a God that sees, a God that loves you, and a God who will come to you.
in the middle of your suffering, will come to you when he's asked you to sacrifice and be near to him. There's not much that I need to say to set up communion. This story is why we take communion. But I just want to say this. As we come and we take a piece of the bread, we dip it in the cup. We do it understanding that God provided the ram. He is the ram. We are the fire. We are the wood. We sacrifice. We killed God. He was sacrificed for us. And he came back from the dead for us. And because he lives, you and I can live too. So as you come this morning, come to remember and to proclaim that to yourself and to everyone here that Jesus Christ has died, that Jesus Christ has risen, and that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And that's not only hope for the life to come, but that is hope in this life, in the here and now. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to read this moment in the life of Abraham. Thank you that you love us too much to let things that we see as good, things that we love, things that are good, things that we should love, that you love us too much to allow those things to take the place of you. Thank you that you bring testing and that you bring trial that you ask us to sacrifice so that we can know more of you. But God, this morning I pray that we would recognize that the life that you've called us to is not easy, it's painful, and it often requires that we give up the things that we love. And so I just pray, God, that you would be near to us. I pray that you would comfort those of us who are in the midst of giving up, in the midst of sacrificing. And I pray that we would become a community of people because we know you, because we are being transformed by you, that others outside will look at us and say, they know God. I know God because I know them. Lord, as you transform us, would you make us a transforming presence in this city? In Jesus' name.